I remember when we started this church, um, this campus, the sixth campus, um, it was really exciting. I remember we walked the streets with a bunch of people and we handed out a, a few thousand different flyers. We did a few different things online and then we had our very first interest night at Urban Soul Cafe in Caracas. Who was there? Few people, yeah, legends. Um, it was really exciting and about 100 people turned up that day, which was awesome. And I remember having a conversation with a couple of people. They were so amazed. They were so shocked. They were like surprised at the turnout. But if I'm to be honest, Darcy and I weren't surprised. And the reason we weren't surprised is because we know that when something is a God thing, He is the one that stirs the hearts of His people. And I don't say that pridefully, but from a place of unwavering assurance that we know what God had spoken about what this church would be. We've, we've seen visions, we've seen pictures, we know what God is calling us to. And so we got underway with about four small groups. And this kicked off before the church even launched. And so I guess you could say we had about 35 people part of the church right from the get-go. And being in a small group meant that these people had family and they'd found their tribe in amongst a bigger group. There were more people that were interested, but they were sort of on the fringes and it was a number that was pretty impossible to count. Well, words started to get around and people started inviting their friends to small groups and things started to hum along. Now, although Darcy and I had been involved in ministry for some time, this here, those small groups, was the very first start of the Elam Christian Center Papakura ministry journey. You know, I think of the start of Jesus' ministry journey, and I think there's some similarities. He started in an interesting way, by turning water into wine at a, at a wedding. Not a funeral. <laughs> it nearly got there. At, at a wedding. And then he started preaching. But it turns out that a lot of the messages he was preaching caused more harm than good. Now, that's not the similarity, all right? He was even threatened to be killed. The similarity is that there didn't seem to be this big explosive start. He just got underway. He got a few followers, joined his crew. They started walking around the streets, starting to share this message, doing these miracles. But it started surely not some big revival, but a start nonetheless. And what's interesting is that what I've noticed about Jesus is that although he's seemingly hippie and homeless, he actually had a plan. He actually had a very specific plan, and it was a plan that was set up in light of vision. Jesus knew exactly what he was here to do, and so he acted accordingly. You know, you and I actually do that far more often than we realize. We act according to what we expect to happen. Like, if it's going to rain outside, you take an umbrella, right? Well, the ladies tend to take umbrellas. I feel like the guys feel like we're fast. But you take an umbrella, so your actions right now in this moment are in anticipation and expectation of what's to come. You anticipate what's happening in the future, and so you make those decisions today. And so Jesus develops a bit of a following, and then he gathers 12 ordinary people, and he appoints them as apostles, ordinary in their abilities, but exemplary in their devotion. He instructs these disciples to go out and make disciples, make more disciples in Judea, in Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth. What's he saying? He's saying, start in close. Take little steps and get the early win. And after that, he's saying, go a little bit further. Go out. There's more people to reach. There's more ground to take. There's a bigger picture at hand. And then he says, go all the way. Don't hold back. Go where others haven't gone. Work hard, persevere, and don't give up until every person has been reached. As I'm reading this, I'm reminded that the message about Jesus is for every single person. Come on, how often do we go, the message of Jesus is for people like me, or the message of Jesus is for people like him, and, and we try to categorize it, but the truth is, the message of Jesus and what he did on the cross is for every single human being on the planet. He says, start small, then go a bit bigger, and then go even bigger still. What's he saying? He's saying build momentum as you go. 
He's saying this vision is huge and so you're going to need it. In fact, Jesus says the vision is so big, you can't actually do it by yourself. He says, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit so that when you get out there and you do it, you're empowered to get it done. I love that what God calls us to, he equips us to do it. I've said that before and I'll say it again. It's so very true. We need to get this in our spirit. If God calls us to do something, he equips us to do it. And because he calls us and because he equips us, guess what? He expects us. God doesn't just go, oh, I'm bored. I'll just chuck out some callings here and there and there. And, but he's got a plan and he's got a vision for humanity on the earth. And he calls each person to be a specific part of that. And so when he calls you, you don't need to be afraid because he will equip you to do it. But because he's called you and because he's equipped you, he also expects you to do it. You know, as a church, this very exact Sunday, one year ago, was our very first launch team gathering. Um, hands up if you were there at that. Legends, a few people sprinkled throughout, you guys are the OGs. So this launch team gathering was in our youth room. Our small groups have been going for a while. And the point of this gathering was for anyone to come together who just wanted to be part of the journey. Like if you're interested, if you've heard about it, if you've seen it online, now's the time that we start forming together. And so we expected that the 35 to 40 people in small groups would be there. And then maybe we didn't know, like maybe another 40 or 50 people that had been watching from the sidelines might turn up. You know, we had heard things, people saying things like, uh, my family's keen, but only once it actually gets started. And that was totally fine. Cut a long story short, we started meeting every Sunday from this exact Sunday one year ago. Sometimes we worshipped, sometimes we didn't. We had a two-person band, Axton and Nyla, legends. Uh, we always prayed. And Darcy and I shared a bit of our heart about what God had placed on our heart to what this church would be. And we started doing a little bit of prep work, a little bit of training in a sense to prepare us to go from our Judea and into our Samaria, to go from what we had to expand out a little bit further. Now, I remember the night before launch Sunday. It was March the 9th. The church was all set up. The run sheets were printed. The dream team was scheduled. The crunchy box was filled up. Like We were ready to go. And I was sitting at home and I was reading through my message for like the 582nd time just to make sure. And I remember sitting there reading my message, just contemplating the fact that this is real. Like tomorrow, we would officially launch a brand new church. Like a new family would be birthed, new friendships would be made. And a local church that was coming to make sure that we could help to transform a city would spring to life. I was so excited. And admittedly, I was a little bit nervous, but it wasn't like a scared nervous, like you're not sure if you're going to make it to the bathroom on time, like, <laughs> but like a real like bursting with anticipation sort of a nervous, like it didn't quite know how it was going to go. I knew I would be there, I knew Darcy would be there, and our dream team, and I knew God would be there, but I didn't really know too much else, and I was so excited, but on that day, it was amazing. 429 people came, they filled this room, our kids, our youth spaces, it was a bunch of fun. And God touched many people's lives. And just like that very first interest night, there were some people that were like, this is amazing. And like, I, know, I know it is, but they were so surprised at the turnout. But if I'm to be honest, Darcy and I weren't. And we weren't because we know that when it's a God thing, He is the one that stirs the hearts of His people. That day was great because we went from the Judea the small surrounds of our launch team gatherings into the Samaria of our wider community. 
And ever since that day, anyone who's come along, including yourselves here today, has been part of the journey and part of the picture, part of the family or the team that have seen hundreds of people's lives transformed every single Sunday. The message of Jesus delivered to kids in a way that makes sense to them on their level, at their age group. Young people coming in on a Friday night, teenagers finding a place of refuge and strength in an otherwise shaken up and unstable world. We've been gathering We've been building. Every single Sunday, lives have been changed. And in most weekday nights throughout the week in small groups throughout the home, I'm telling you, when the local church is alive and healthy, there's nothing like it in all the world. I think of people like Brody and Nicole, who had never been part of a worship team like ever. And one day they said, you know what? I think God has placed a gift in my life. And I'm not entirely sure, but I'm going to step out in bravery and give it a go. I'm going to put up my hand and say, God, I'm going to step up and I hope you use me and we'll see what happens. And now on many Sundays, they lead us in bold and captivating worship. I'm so thankful for their boldness. And I'm so thankful for Axon and Nyla, our worship team leaders, who are 100% dedicated to raising them up to producing the most God-fearing, ground-taking team on the planet, knowing that this moment here when we see God and we lift up His name is one of the most important moments in our entire service. And they're here doing so many extra hours, so much extra work behind the scenes. I'm so thankful that we have an environment where that gets to take place. Now, I think of Andrew and Rena Dakin. They're in here somewhere. Where are you guys? Over here. Amazing. You said, oh my goodness, I know, because I'm mentioning you. Don't worry, I'll only say nice things because it's all I've got to say. Andrew and Rena came in one day with their daughter Rochelle and I love the fact that when they came in they weren't just welcomed on the door which is typical of a church right we didn't just have nice smiling people on the door which is good and it's it's part of it and we're, we're thankful for that but they came in and when they took their seat there were people around them that got the bigger picture there were people sitting in seats that realized it wasn't just about the invitation to church, but it's the invitation to lunch, and it's the invitation to the small group. It's the invitation to be part of something bigger, and they engaged in conversation. Something about what took place that day allowed them to feel like they were part of the family. And there was something about what God was doing that prompted them and stirred them to jump all the way in. Now, they lead an incredible small group in their home. And just last week, Andrew stepped up to lead the entire Dream Team while the H Team were away on holiday. Like, that's amazing. Like, what is this place? I think of when it came to our Christmas box initiative, where we want to put boxes and hampers and bags and all sorts of other stuff, food into the hands of the brokenhearted and the poor at Christmas time. I think of two particular couples that were so stirred to be a part of it that they, each of those couples sponsored 10 boxes each. That's $1,500 each. That's amazing generosity. There was something about them that, that realized, you know what? I can't pay for all 1,000 boxes. It's, it's just not within my means. But there is something I can do to make a difference. I do have something in my hands. And so these people, I, I feel, had a sense that they knew that God had placed resource into their hands. And what God equips us to do, He expects us to do. I love that these people and many like them have been prompted and stirred to live a faith that takes action. It was put like this one day. It says, all it takes for evil to prevail in this world is for good men and women to do nothing. And I'm so thankful that we have a church and a community of believers that are not willing just to sit back and hope that something happens, but to actually live a faith that takes action. See, Jesus, when he was raising up and sending his disciples out, He was dead set on helping them understand one fundamental truth. 
Like if you read all of the stories of him raising them up and sending them out and they didn't understand and then he tries to teach them again. He's trying to get them to understand this. You guys are part of something bigger than yourself. It's not just about you and your little Judea. It's about going to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I need you to know today that because we get to be part of this, we are part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves. See, Jesus' momentum, it built, Jesus' ministry built in momentum day after day. He gathered some followers. He gathered in the 12 misfit apostles. And his ministry developed to such a point where it escalated really quickly. And we read in Luke chapter 19, it said that his ministry had developed and escalated so much so that when he entered Jerusalem on a donkey, it says the entire city was stirred. Like the entire city was rocked up. Some people liked Jesus. Some people didn't like Jesus, but every single person knew about him. You know, we've had our humble beginnings in our Judea. We've advanced into our Samaria, but I believe it's time we start to shake the city. I reckon we've got enough potential. There's, there's the strong move of God. We've got resource, and it's time that we take another step out to begin shaking the city. I need you to know that in 2020, we will unapologetically, relentlessly go after helping people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. These four things are at the very core of who we are, and I also need you to know that they're listed in that order on purpose. We could have said them in any order. They're all equally important. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We believe that if you come on Sundays, you're going to have ample opportunity to know God. You're going to hear the Word of God. You're going to get to experience Him in worship, have great conversations that bring revelation to your understanding of who God is. Come on a Sunday, you're going to know God. Join a small group, you're going to find true community. It's great to be part of something bigger. But as we grow larger, we must grow smaller at the same time. We must be part of a family that's smaller within a larger group. And when you find that true family, that will result in you finding freedom. And then to discover purpose, we have a four-part course called Growth Track. It's starting up again in February. And, and I get that discovering our purpose in life is far more than a four-part course. Of course it is. It would be naive of us to say that Growth Track achieves all of that, but it's certainly a very good first step because it's in that course that you're going to discover how God wired you, what makes you different, what makes you unique, and why all of that matters. And so when we know God and we find freedom and we discover purpose, all of that is so that, everyone say so that. It's so that we can begin making a difference in the dream team. How? How do we become the most influential group of people in Papakura since its official establishment in 1943? Like, how do we become carriers of hope, soother of hearts, unlockers of potential, and the carriers of culture? Well, it's simple. There's no refunds. It's not rocket science. You and I just have to say yes to Jesus every single day. That's it. And I know that sounds profoundly simple, and it is, and that breaks down to be a little more complex with different avenues. But the truth of the matter is that if you and I would each go before God and say yes to Jesus every single day, then we have a vision that seems so vast, but all of a sudden becomes achievable. The local church is the hope of the world. I believe that with all my heart. And Jesus is the head of the church. And the Bible says that as the, body, as, as the church, we are the body. So Jesus is the head and we are the body. That means he is the brains behind the operation. And even though he's the brains behind the operation, he leads from his heart. And, and he leads us to impact a city by first showing us how he can impact our lives. 
Like he wants us to know it and experience it so that we can carry it and share it. And God has put the Holy Spirit in us just like he did those disciples so that you and I, believers, we could not just hear a vision and go, oh, that's exciting, but that we would be empowered to do something significant about seeing it come to pass. 2020 is going to be a year of expansion and increase, but get this, it's not because we want it, although we do. It's going to be a year of expansion and increase because our community desperately need it. Our community need this to flourish. I can't remember the exact reference or the exact wording, I apologize, but I just felt God prompt me to say this. So there's a scripture that says something along the lines, lines of when the righteous prosper, the city celebrates. Something along those lines. The entire community in which we live in will be better off if we are flourishing. It'll be that year because we believe if people can come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, sure, their circles of influence become better off, but also that person's life will never be the same. There is nothing on the planet like the local church. It is the only organization that you can possibly find that is solely entrusted with the transforming message of Jesus. You know, if the greatest need for humanity had been information, God would have sent an educator. If the greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If the greatest need that we had was money, God would have sent an economist. But since the greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. And it's that message and it's the reality of that sacrifice that allow you and I to not just live, but to experience the fullness of life. You know, I get so puzzled when I'm on Facebook and I see someone post something along the lines of, ah, oh, the church, they should lose their tax exemption status. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, that's the closest I come to swearing, but I would never, because that's the old me. I, I, like, honestly, it like, I tell you why it irks me. And I have to muster up grace from somewhere supernatural for this type of attitude, because I realize in that moment, these people obviously don't understand that the church is the heartbeat of any community. These people obviously don't understand that the church sustains a community and raises up agents of hope in an otherwise broken world. The government, I'm confident, they'll never do this. You know why? Because I know that they also know that the church is the heartbeat of our nation. Did you know that volunteering in New Zealand contributes $6 billion to the economy annually? Every year, $6 billion worth of value is invested into our country's economy just by volunteering. And I get that that's not all the church. Of course it's not. There's other great organizations out there that have volunteers, but I believe a good portion of it is. That means feeding the hungry, housing the homeless, caring for the brokenhearted, running support groups for mums, dad, youth, the elderly. And get this, all that we do as a church to reach the physical needs of our community is amazing, like it truly is, but it's not even our strong hand. It's not even our main thing, even though it should always be part of what we do. But you know what? Beautiful, healthy, biblical community centered around Jesus, where we grow in our relationship with the one that created us, when we grow in relationship with other great believers, this is what a broken world needs more than anything else. Can I tell you that I dream of the day that Elam Christian Center is the first place that pops to mind 
when thinking of effective and fruitful youth work with dedicated and passionate youth workers that are absolutely committed to seeing transformation in young people's lives. I dream of the day that the police are coming to us going, I don't know what it is that you're doing, but you're doing something and you're teaching something and it's allowing people to rise up out of the challenges and the mistakes of their past to push forward into an exciting future. I dream of the day that what God is doing here is not seen as taboo. It's not seen as weird or or like religious, but people in this community begin to understand that if they're lacking in hope, this is where they need to be. They need to be in this room around this God, around these people, a center of hope, a lighthouse on a hill, the heartbeat of a city and the greatest expression of God's love here on the earth. I say I'm dreaming of the day, but the truth is church, I can already see it. And I believe it's way closer than we think. It's just on the other side of a moment of dedication. It's just on the other side of a moment of commitment. It's just on the other side of a few more people going, you know what? Just like Brad and Nicole, who hadn't been part of that worship team, I'm going to put my hand up and go, I think God's gifted me to do this. I'm going to give it a red hot crack and see what God can do with my life. You know, one of the things I love most about the way that Jesus raised up his disciples and sent them out is that he made it very clear to them that it would require full devotion. Like he didn't lead them on, but he was open enough to share with them the full picture. He said, look, you're going to have to pick up your cross daily and follow me. That's not easy to do. And that wouldn't have been easy to hear. But he made sure that they understood that. He let them know that it would cost them something. That persecution may be involved. That they may end up having to cut ties with some of the relationships that they once held so dear. Jesus wasn't a baker. He didn't sugarcoat it. Like he just told them how it was. And in Matthew 10, 39, he says, look, if you cling to your life, if you try to hold on to it in the nice, pretty way that you want it to be, and you have your nice little frame about how your life is going to work out, and and that's what I'm going to go after. If you cling to your own life, Jesus warned people, he said, you've got to understand that's when you'll lose it. You may continue to live, but you won't live the life that you were designed to live. If you cling to it, you'll lose it. But if you hand it over into my hands, that's when you truly find the fullness of life. But he reminded them that it would require them to give up some stuff. It would cost them something. There would be sacrifice, but that it would all be worth it. He said to some of the disciples that he called, one was a fisherman. He says, look, you've been fishing this whole time for fish, but come with me and I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. He's like, I'm going to train you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to send you back out, but I'm going to redirect your focus towards something of eternal eternal value. And as a result, these disciples, although far from perfect, fully dedicated themselves to the call of God that was on their life. And so they took their gift seriously. They understood that if God had called them to it, he would equip them to it, and then he would expect them to do it. They asked questions, they spoke to the right people, they drew near to God because they understood that the level of effectiveness and fruitfulness and the things that mattered most in life would come down to how seriously they took the gifts they had been given and developed them to make a difference. We must be willing to take our spiritual gifts seriously because God didn't give us the church to build our gifts. I'm sorry if it's ever come across that way, but God gave us our gifts to build the church. And I've been gifted to lead and teach. For me personally, I must take that seriously. Because if I don't take that seriously, then I'm not contributing in the way that I was designed to contribute for all of us to reach that vision. And each of you have a different call on your life. But we must take that gift seriously. See, some of you in this room, 
You've underestimated or undervalued the call that's on your life because you're actually called to be the most unbelievable hoster of people in your home. And you go, oh, but band people can do that. They're so cool. And, that, but, and I just, like I can make a mean brownie, right? Like, but, and you undervalue it. Don't undervalue what God has called you to do. Become the best hoster of people in your home the world has ever seen. Learn how to welcome people as family. Learn how to connect one person with another person that otherwise may not have connected. Develop that brownie recipe till it's the most mouthwatering recipe on the planet. Yes! And figure out how to create welcoming environments. It is so important to be able to welcome people into environments where they feel safe, valued, and accepted for who they are. Some of you have the spiritual gift of giving. And this can be a very taboo thing to talk about in church. I get that, but I don't care. The truth is the spiritual gift of giving is a thing. And it would be a miss of us to not speak about the things that are in the Word of God. Some people have the gift of giving, which means God has wired you with the intellect, the strategy, the wisdom, and the nous to earn as much money as possible while, while living simply to funnel as much finance into the mission of the church. And if that is the call on your life, I guarantee you, God will work the most satisfying things through your life if you would take that gift seriously and put it into action. You know, whether you're wired to be an administrator, a teacher, an evangelist, a pastor, or a renegade connection maker. Take your gift seriously because God has given that to you to build the church. Devote your time, invest your finance, and develop your gifts. You know, we need to love the gift that it is to invest into other people. Understand the privilege that it is to draw the best out of somebody else because the greatest accolade of your life will not be what you built. It'll be who you built. It will. The thing that will stand the test of time and the longevity of your legacy will not come in what you built, but it will come in who you built. And there is so much in life that's vying for our attention. So much that feels like it's pulling us in a hundred different directions and we have no idea where to invest ourselves. I felt like that for many years of my life, but I can undoubtedly stand here and say that the local church is the hope of the world. And the people that call it home will be raised up to be carriers of light and culture in a world when they so desperately need it. You know, the greatest minute that I ever spent is the minute I spend investing into people. You know, we often think, well, where else is it that I could exhaust my time, my money, my gifting? And we come up with all sorts of different ideas, but I guarantee you, you won't find a more worthwhile place than what God is doing here on the earth. No dividend or stock growth will bring you more joy than seeing someone sit there with tears going down their face, smiling like they've never smiled before. Because for the first time in their life, they're experiencing true love. For the first time in their life, their heart is filled with hope. And you know that because of your investment in some way or another, that person will never be the same again. I'm telling you that no organization, no real estate company, no cryptocurrency hype train will bring life to your bones than knowing that your investment allowed a teenager to find hope and security in an otherwise broken and unstable world. In fact, Paul urged the church in Corinth, he said, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I love that. You know, when you invest into anything, it captures your heart. It just does. And that's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows where your investment goes. I remember we had a conference speaker at our, our national conference a few years ago, and he shared this amazing illustration 
um, that I thought captured this so well. You see, when he was a young boy, he loved Dunkin' Donuts, which is every young boy, let's be honest. Like, that doesn't make him special. I'm still a young boy. <laughs> I love Dunkin' Donuts. He loved Dunkin' Donuts, and um, he was still at school and stuff. And so after saving up a bit of money, he decided to buy some shares in the Dunkin' Donut company. So he raised up his money, saved it all up, and he invested into something that he cared about. He bought some shares, and you know what happened? All of a sudden, he was checking the stock exchange like every hour. Like he was just monitoring. It's up three cents. It's down three cents. Like he was all over it. When it was up, he was up. When it was down, he was concerned. He loved Dunkin' Donuts. He went from liking them to loving them. He was like sharing with them with his friends. When his friends were like, where should we go for lunch? He's like, how about we go to Dunkin' Donuts? Like he just desperately wanted the company to grow. Eventually, it all became a bit too much for him. He wanted to put his money elsewhere, probably like a car or something silly that teenagers invest their money into. And he sold his shares. And you know what happened? He still liked donuts. I know, surprising. He still loved donuts. He just stopped checking the stock exchange. He just stopped inviting his friends around. He stopped sharing them around like he still loved donuts. The truth is he just didn't really care if Dunkin' Donuts grew anymore. For this guy, it became this sort of slap in the face revelation where he realized that what he was invested into it ended up drawing his heart into it in such a way where he actually cared that it grew. He went from being so invested into donuts, trying to share it with everyone, make sure everyone else could be a part of it. But when he was no longer invested, he no longer cared. He didn't care whether the company grew. It was neither here nor there for him. It didn't matter. But in that moment, it was part of his life. He cared about it and it mattered. You know, we've done our Judea. And we've expanded out into our Samaria. But I get a feel that God is nudging us to take a step forward in order to stir a city. We're not going to go backwards. We're not going to just pray. We're not going to conform to the status quo. But we're going to begin to believe that what God is doing in the local church is unrivaled by anything else on the planet. And so this year we will expand. We will grow. We will inf increase in influence and capacity. Again, why? Not because we want to, although we do, but because our community desperately need us to. More people need to find hope. More people need to be connected with the God that made them. But this starts with each of us first saying yes to Jesus every single day. What gifts in your life do you need to start taking seriously? Maybe you don't know what they are. Well, growth track, we can help you do that. Whatever it is that you've been gifted to do, it's time to learn, to grow, to develop, to expand, and it's time to take action. Who is it that you can personally rise up to bring the best out of and release Maybe for you, it's time to start a small group. Put your name down there and say, I'm going to start a small group. I'm not entirely sure what's involved, but we'll train you and we'll get you ready so that you can make a difference. Maybe it's some one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Maybe there's someone that God's given you a heart for. You could walk across the room after the service and say, hey, I don't know if you've got a mentor or if you're interested, but I'd love to just catch up once every couple of weeks. We'll have coffee and we'll just chat through life. I'm sure someone, especially if they're younger than you, would greatly value that. Maybe you need to put your hand up and say, I'm going to get involved in our kids or our youth ministries so I can invest into the lives of the next generation. Axton, you can join me. That'd be awesome. We're about to finish up. You know, this year I'm confident. In fact, I'm more than confident. I'm absolutely sure that we will continue to see the goodness of God. Hundreds more people are going to come to know the God who made them. That's so exciting. Many people are going to come to find freedom discover their purpose and begin making a difference. And when it happens, I won't be shocked. 
I won't even be that surprised. But just like you, I'll be honored to have been a part of it. Because I know that when it's a God thing, He is the one that stirs the hearts of His people. I'm gonna finish with one final story. I wanna tell you a story about a young lady that was at a really low point in her life. She'd been struggling with a bunch of stuff. It was a pretty bad season for her. Nothing seemed to be looking up. And she had wrestled with different thoughts about ending it all. And one day, this young lady was driving down East Street, Papakura, on a Sunday. And as she drove past the entrance to this building on a Sunday, she saw someone from this dream team holding a plastic sign smiling. And there was something about that sign and the wording on it. There was something about the look in the eyes and the smile on the face of that dream team member that began to flood her heart with hope, with peace, with a longing to discover more. The sign simply read, you belong here. Seems simple, and I don't know if that Dream Team member understood the weight of what would happen that day as they stood out there doing their thing, smiling. That caused this person, who was pretty set that day on following through with that idea of ending it all, to stop and pull over, get out and sit under a tree, and begin to cry out to God. So God, are you even real? Do you even care? Are you even close by? That day, Sarah Tualoma's life was saved. Sitting just over here. And a brand new hope, a journey of hope and purpose began. Why? Because someone said yes to Jesus. Someone understood that day that their job on the side of the road was just as important as the preachers or the worship leaders. In fact, let's be honest, far more so that day. And God used that obedience to bring transformation to somebody else's life. Where else could that happen? Who else gets to be a part of that? I can tell you right now, I'm so thankful to serve on this team. I'm so thankful that God would choose us. That's just one story of many. Life after life, family after family, transformed by the power of God and the beauty of the community that He creates. If you need to sign up to begin leading a small group today, you can do that. But could I urge you, to do something today. Maybe you want to lead one. Maybe actually you just want to join one because you realize that that's part of what you're missing out on. Do that today. If you haven't done growth track and you want to get on board with our February class so that you can begin to understand how God has wired you and made you unique and why that really matters to our community and to your life, you can sign up for that today. If you want to start investing your finance into what God is doing here in Papakura, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. And if that's what you want to do, then do something today. But I believe in full honor and reverence and admiration of all that's happened in the past. It's amazing. 
and we've gone from our Judea to our Samaria, but it's time that we began to take another step to stir the city. And it starts with each of us, you and I, saying yes to Jesus every single day. I invite everyone just to close their eyes. I'm going to pray for you.